This is Buck's First Thoughts, the news you need to get through your day in 45 minutes. Make sure you subscribe on the iHeart app or wherever you get your podcasts. Fauci, the flip-flopper. This guy is absolutely unbelievable. He gets it wrong over and over. And in fact, he gets what feels like uh, promoted in the process because the Biden administration kept him around. I'm going to pull apart the nonsense today. I'm going to make sure we all understand just what has really happened here to this country because of the power mad lockdowners. And we can never allow this to happen again. I'll get into all of that. But I'm somebody who likes things to be as convenient as they possibly can because I'm very busy. I know you are, too. And I recently had this experience where I got a delivery in New York City and it was just it was the wrong thing. They sent me the wrong uh, the wrong package. And I went to the company directly and I was having a text exchange in seconds and we got it all fixed. I didn't have to wait on customer service hold. I didn't have to speak to somebody. What's your reference number? What's your reference number? Five times. No, just texting. Bam, done, fixed. That's how Podium works. It's a messaging platform to power your business. I absolutely love it. It helps you reach customers wherever they are. Business messaging with Podium helps you gain reviews, collect payments, communicate with customers, and capture leads, all from a single inbox. It's so convenient and straightforward. It also helps you adapt to changing customer expectations because when I can handle an issue with a business via text message quickly, and it's all right there in front of me, I don't have to wait on hold, I don't have to talk to somebody, it's so much easier, and then I want to use that business again. So for your business, you need Podium. Get this set up. It's so easy. Once you start, you'll realize, oh, my gosh, this is a game changer. It'll Your whole customer experience will be boosted tremendously by this, and it's just going to help your sales and overall profits. Find out how Podium can help your business reach more customers with a real-time chat service it's just going to be a game changer for you, okay? Get started free. That's right. Get started free today at podium.com slash buck. For all the business owners out there, try this service. You will love it. Podium.com slash buck. That's P-O-D-I-U-M dot com slash buck. Well, I said it right at the beginning. That's where it came from. I think it was obvious to smart people that's where it came from. I have no doubt about it. I had no doubt about it. Uh, I was criticized by the press because China has a lot of people taken care of. They took care of Hunter. They took care of Joe. They took care of everybody, didn't they? And people didn't want to say China. Uh, usually they blame it on Russia. It's always Russia, Russia, Russia. But I said right at the beginning it came out of Wuhan. And that's where all the deaths were. Also, by the way, when we first heard about this, there were body bags, dead people laying all over Wuhan province. And that's where it happened to be located. So to me, it was very obvious. I said it very strongly and I was criticized. And now people are agreeing with me. So that's okay. He was right, folks. Trump was right on the Wuhan coronavirus outbreak and pandemic. And the haters, the doubters, the anti-Trumpers were wrong. Yet another one you have to add the list. And not only was Trump right about this, despite all the criticism. And but let me say, many people were right. About it. I, I always thought the lab theory was more credible. It, it, it just made more sense from the very beginning. If it came from bats at a, at a, a wet market, why weren't they all? Why weren't all the cases traced to the wet market? 
And and if it came from bats in nature, well, this didn't happen where the bats live, generally speaking, 600 miles away. It just didn't add up. But you're concentrating bat viruses in a lab. A bunch of lab technicians and researchers get sick with a bat a bat based virus. This seems pretty straightforward, doesn't it? You know who it's not straightforward to? People that don't really care about the truth, but just want to use this for political advantage. And with that, we turn to the Biden administration, Joe Biden and all the people around him supposed to be so smart. Oh, they believe the science. That's what they want you to think. They believe the science. Well, here's what we've since found out. Joe Biden's team shut down a State Department investigation into the Wuhan laboratory as a source of the COVID-19 outbreak, according to the Daily Mail, the existence of the investigation run primarily out of the State Department's Arms Control and Verification Bureau had not previously been known, nor had the Biden administration's actions. The revelations will lead to uncomfortable, you don't say, allegations for Biden that his team politicized the public health effort and harmed the nation by shutting down a useful inquiry begun by his predecessor. The decision to terminate the inquiry was made after Biden officials were briefed on the team's draft findings in February and March of this year, according to a State Department spokesperson. Investigation was shut down because the Biden team had doubts about the legitimacy of the findings. Those involved have told journalists that the questioning of their evidence was unfair and unwarranted and they had been objective. Oh, so this is the Biden team coming in, the the flax for Mr. Magoo Biden coming in and saying, no, 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 shut down that investigation into the Wuhan Institute of Virology as the basis for the whole pandemic. I mean, as the place where the outbreak started, shut it down. Oh, because the findings were being so politicized. If that were true, why didn't we know about this? If that were the case, why don't they make the findings public? Let's let the people decide who was politicizing this. Folks, the mentality that the Democrats have, these scorched earth, anything for power, principles not allowed to stand in the way mentality isn't applicable to just certain hot button topics. This is not something that occurs occasionally on the left. This is their approach to everything. And we all know that it was very politicized that Donald Trump was the guy saying, hold on a second, this virus came from China. This is because of what the country that he was willing to confront in a way that other presidents before him had not. Uh, This is because of what China's recklessness and deception led to. He keeps saying this, and sure enough, that meant that Democrats had to push in the opposite direction. That meant that Democrats had to take the position, insisted that they must take the position that this was not true. Oh, okay. I, th- I thought on something like this when it comes to a pandemic that's killed millions of people around the world and 
infected hundreds of millions, perhaps even it'll end up being a few billion people getting infected with this. We'll never really we'll never know the full number. But when you look at asymptomatic cases and transmission all over the world, it's certainly hundreds of millions of cases. Uh, With that as the situation, couldn't we expect that partisanship wouldn't rule the day? Not with Democrats. Oh, no. The Biden team shut this down. Just imagine for a second that the Trump administration came into office during a pandemic or, or even even make it simpler. Imagine Trump won a second term and it came out that he shut down an investigation into the origins of covid-19 because some of his political appointees didn't really like what the findings were. That would be the top news story all across the country and you'd have libs shrieking he didn't follow the science they'd be completely losing their minds fauci would be on tv you know more than he already is if that's even humanly possible you know we followed a science and it was troubling that the data was not allowed to direct the observation of the you know that's what we would be hearing but because the biden team did it it's yeah you know just no big deal Oh, speaking of the Fouch, he's wrong again. He's wrong again. How many times does this guy get to be incorrect? How many times does he get to say something that he has to change his tune on a week later, a month later? Again, in the Daily Mail, quote, Fauci defended the United States modest and very respectable, very, very respectable. This is the most respectable funding of the Wuhan laboratory, which is now at the center of speculation as a possible source of the COVID-19 virus. Fauci appeared before a congressional buddy, a budget committee on Tuesday, defended allocating $600,000 to a group called EcoHealth Alliance which then paid the Wuhan Institute of Virology to study the risk that bat coronaviruses could infect humans. Under the terms of the funding, the money could not be spent on gain-of-function research, a controversial practice which explores how viruses mutate and become more transmissible or more dangerous, end quote. Oh, Isn't that so cute? I'm sure the Chinese Institute was really worried about what kind of research they were going to do with the money that taxpayers from the U.S. were sending them. I'm sure we could trust them on that, because when when you're talking about transparency, truth and accountability, government backed institutions in China, top of the list, baby. Yeah, that's right. The gold standard of honesty. Sure. Sure, they are. Yeah, this is all looking like the people who were right from the beginning. Now we're in a position to say not only were we right about the Wuhan coronavirus origins, but also we've been right about lockdowns, about masks, about so much here. And oh, one more thing before I I get to more uh, more in-depth analysis of of the latest Fauci flip flop. I just read read a story today um, about how there is a new study. They looked at 75 people, so it's not a large study, but a new study, and it said that those who have, uh, people even who had low levels 
of a coronavirus and COVID-19 infection had antibodies for at least, at least eight months. And as long as 11 months, detectable antibodies. Now, that doesn't even cover T-cell immunity, but detectable antibodies, they believe it's not just about the blood, but in fact, antibodies that emerge from the bone marrow. Now, I bring this up because they're they're once again telling everybody, including the recovered, go get the shot, go get the shot. It's so much better. And I've been telling you, they don't know that. They don't know. There's something called anamnestic immune response, which often happens from recovery from natural infection. Anamnestic immune response uh, would cover things like you know, if you if you get a virus once that you later on come into contact with many years later, your body can actually still deal with it at an elevated level, conferring lifelong immunity in many cases. Is there an anamnestic response for COVID-19? The answer, they don't know. But just as what they've done with the investigation into the origins of COVID-19, just as what they've done on on masking and everything else, They don't have answers. They don't have the data to prove what they say they can. And so their response is shut up and do what you're told. I say enough of that. We uh, had a big scare with SARS-CoV-1 back in 2002, 2003, where that particular virus unquestionably went from a bat to an intermediate host to start an epidemic and a pandemic that resulted in 8,000 cases and close to 800 deaths. It would have been almost a a dereliction of our duty if we didn't study this. And the only way you can study these things is you've got to go where the action is. So I often say somewhat tongue in cheek, you don't want to study bats in Fairfax County, Virginia, to find out what the animal human interface is that might lead to a jumping of species. So we had a modest collaboration with very respectable Chinese Uh, uh, scientists who are world experts on coronavirus. And we did that through a sub-grant from a larger grant to EcoHealth. The sub-grant was about $600,000 over a period of five years. So it was a modest amount. And the purpose of it was to study the animal-human interface, to do surveillance, and to determine if these bad viruses were even capable of transiting infection to humans. That's a very long way of the Fouch saying that, yes, in fact, the U.S. government, through a subgrant, did fund research on bat viruses in Wuhan, China. Do you recall how indignant he was? How dare you? He was basically saying to Senator Rand Paul on this one. Do you recall how outraged the Fouch was over that? And now here he is. You know, you don't want to study bats in Fairfax, Virginia. You want to do it in Wuhan. Hmm. Really? So there was research going on there that was funded by U.S. taxpayer dollars. That's not a conspiracy theory. That's not something that was just dreamed up on some blog somewhere. And we're supposed to believe that Fauci still has credibility on any of these issues? Why should anyone listen to this clown at all anymore? That's my my honest question for you. Why should anyone, in fact, why should he keep his job? 
Senator Rand Paul, once again, as he has done many times here, thank heavens we have somebody in the Senate who loves liberty, believes in the Constitution, and has an MD to challenge the little lab coat tyrant Fauci. Here's Rand Paul on how this never should have happened. It absolutely should not have occurred. And play clip two. We may never know whether the pandemic arose from the lab in Wuhan, but we do know that so far no intermediate animal host has been discovered. Thousands of animals at the wet market have been looked at. None of them have carried COVID-19. We've tried to infect COVID-19 into bats. It doesn't grow well in bats. It seems most adapted and suitable for humans. We may not know whether this ever arose out of a Wuhan lab, But I think gain-of-function research, where we take a deadly virus, sometimes much more deadly than COVID, and then we increase its transmissibility to mammals is wrong. In 2014, NIH stopped all of this research. I'm using the same definition to say any gain-of-function research should not be funded in China with U.S. taxpayer dollars, and I recommend a yes vote. Thank you. Any problem with that? Anyone want to take the opposite point of view, given what we've just gone through around the world and here at home in America? Anybody think that that's a strange thing for Senator Rand Paul to be suggesting at this point? He has been right. He was right on the theatrics of Fauci wearing masks. And Fauci, oh, no, it is not, sir. It is the science. It's the science because there could be droplets coming out of my mouth. And, and those droplets are being stuck in the mask. Yeah, sure. That's worked so well, hasn't it? It just shut down the virus all across the country, all the mask wearing we were doing. Pure idiocy here. People are still wearing masks. In my, in my gym, as of yesterday, 10 people in the gym in New York City, I'm the only one not wearing a mask. And I'm proud to say that somebody has taken down the you must wear a mask signs in there. I don't know who it is. There's some anti-mask bandit who has been pulling down. I don't know. I mean, maybe I know, but I don't know. Can neither confirm nor deny that someone is pulling down the mask signs in the gym in my apartment building, which, you know, is a pretty big gym, actually, because it's a large building. And those uh, those folks who go in, they they still mask up. They're on the treadmill, dry heaving into their you know mask on their face because they think I'm being I'm taking the virus seriously. Because I'm listening to Fauci. I listen to Fauci. Fauci will save us. These people have, it's a mental illness. They've got a real problem. I don't know if you want to say it's pandemic PTSD or it's Fauci-induced anxiety disorder, but they got an issue. These people are vaccinated too, folks. I, I, I can tell you that right now. And they're still freaked out about it, but we have been lied to so much. If anything, what what this has been a massive exercise in is a reminder for everybody that credentialing uh, or credentialed experts who make policy do not necessarily make good policy. And when they tell you, shut up, I have a degree in this, you should always, always question them right away. What, What do you mean? Okay, so why does that mean that you know more about this issue? Why does that mean that you're making a better judgment call about this issue? That's where it really all falls apart. But Fauci has come out and said that they they were there was a U.S. grant and it was going to gain a function research or I'm sorry, it was going to bat research. Whether there was gain of function going on or not, 
Fauci does not know. So who was closer to the truth this whole time? People saying that money was going, U.S. taxpayer dollars were being funneled to the Wuhan lab for gain-of-function research? Or people who were saying, that's crazy. This came from bats that live in caves 600 miles away from Wuhan, and there's no intermediary species they can really find that shows where the leap occurred, and there are people that had nothing to do with the Wuhan wet market who were coming down with this virus in considerable numbers before the major outbreak. Shut up and listen to Fauci. I mean, this is what it turned into. We have really been separated, I mean, human beings around the world, but particularly here in America, into those who think for themselves and those who must be a part of the herd. The massive sheep situation, that's what has happened all over the world. You know what I'm really looking forward to tonight? Taking a beautiful filet, right? I'm a big filet mignon guy, right out of my fridge and searing it perfectly and just cutting into it, looking at the juiciness, the the buttery taste that I know will come. And I'm excited because it's the best filet I've ever made at home because I'm using produce that is top quality. Moink, baby. You gotta try moink meat. This is delicious, grass-fed and grass-finished beef and lamb, pastured pork and chicken, wild-caught Alaskan salmon, delivered directly to your door. Right, Their animals are raised outdoors, their fish swim wild in the ocean, and moink meat is free of antibiotics, hormones, sugar, and all the other stuff that junk you'll find in prepackaged meats. You want this in your freezer. I'm telling you, I've got a whole freezer full of moink right now. The ribeyes are incredible. The chicken is absolutely just delicious. Um, I've got lamb chops that I'm going to be using this weekend, searing them, cooking them myself. This is the best meat delivery service anywhere, and I love it. It's really top quality stuff. You know that I'm big into cooking proteins, big into cooking meats. All you have to do to get this delivered to you right now to join the Moink movement is go to moinkbox.com slash buck. That's M-O-I-N-K box, moinkbox.com slash buck. And listeners to this show get free bacon for a year. I've actually got to get another Moink box sent to me because I've already run through my bacon. I opened it. I ate it all in a week by myself. That's how good it is. But you'll get free bacon for a year. M-O-I-N-K box.com slash buck. That's moinkbox.com slash buck. Go there right now and get the best grass-fed farm and pasture-raised beef, chicken, pork possible delivered right to your door, moinkbox.com slash buck. Qualified immunity is an, an unjust doctrine that has been codified in statute after statute that has allowed for law enforcement to operate with callous disregard of black and brown bodies, with reckless impunity, uh, for our lives without any consequences. You know, George Floyd was brutally murdered. Why did that happen? It happened because um, we have to affirm the fact that black lives matter because our lives have not mattered. They have not been valued. Uh, there was no humanity, no grace extended or afforded to him. Uh, black folks have been dehumanized and consequently have been brutalized, uh, surveyed profiled, murdered, lynched. So what will be the deterrent to that? We have much work to do beyond just one bill. This is the kind of anti-cop rhetoric and, and the 
dishonesty that is central to the BLM movement, which has resulted in disaster for this country. I want everyone to be clear on this. I don't want there to be any question. When you look at the data, you look at the timeline of the last 12 months in America, BLM has resulted in a massive spike in homicides and shootings across America. More people are dead. More families are shattered because of the narrative that is being pushed here by people like Congresswoman Presley. Qualified immunity, for example. Let's just take a look at qualified immunity, okay? They, they say it is a, a racist doctrine on the left. Well, no, it's actually a very straightforward doctrine established back in 1967 by the Supreme Court, and there are many statutes that codify it. It protects state and local officials, including police officers, from personal liability unless... They have violated clearly established statutory uh, or constitutional rights. So what this means, it's very straightforward. But the left relies on ignorance and emotion, especially around the racist cops lie. Our cops are not racist. I'm sick of this crap. Our cops are not racist. You know it. I know it. Thanks to our cops, we live in a very large and very complicated country where people mostly in their day to day are doing really well and safe. And, you know, it's not the purge. So thank you for that. But the lies continue anyway. Uh, Qualified immunity. Let's take a look at this for a moment. If you got rid of qualified immunity, what it would mean is that a person I get arrested by a cop. I can sue the cop personally in court and say that he was, uh, you know, that, that he was rough with me, that he violated my rights in some way. And he's got to go defend himself in court personally. And if he were to lose, he loses his house. He loses his, his pension. You know, he loses his bank account. What qualified immunity does is it says, hold on a second, you can't even drag a cop into court personally if he's acting within good faith in his job. Now, if a cop pulls me out of a car for no reason and handcuffs me and then you know breaks my kneecap with his nightstick for fun and it's all on video and he clearly violated my rights in this process... Qualified immunity can be waived by the department, and it often is. But you see, I can't do what the left wants to be able to do, which is if nothing has, uh, there's no violation of my rights, drag a cop into court and see what I can get. Think of all the ambulance-chasing lawyers that would want to take this one up, the way that they would try to exploit the cries of racism in police. To try to try to, you know, get a jury to go along with, oh, well, even if the cop seemed like he was doing a good doing his job lawfully and within the scope of of his authority, acting in good faith. We're going to we're going to sue him anyway. Maybe the jury will decide, you know, this is a makeup call. You'll start getting all these makeup call juries. Well, they'll say, well, this cop didn't do so. But there's listen to what Ayanna Presley says in Congress, all the racism, all the evil from law enforcement. This is is so divisive and destructive, and it's actually not reflective of what 
the American people overwhelmingly believe about their cops and about each other. America is not a country that is the shining example of racism. America is a country where it's a very diverse country, more so than any other country even close to its size in the world. America is a very diverse country where we treat each other with respect and dignity overwhelmingly, and we see each other as Americans. And instead of celebrating that greatness, instead of celebrating where we are as a country, the left just seeks to exaggerate our faults and tear us down. You know, if you've ever been in, in a in a relationship, a personal relationship where somebody exaggerates the faults of the other person, doesn't look at the whole reality of it, but looks at just small things. This can this can manifest through nagging. This can manifest through being hypercritical. It you'll destroy the relationship. Right? You have to remember if somebody, you know, if your wife is is kind and loyal and honest and and you know, family first, but all you do is say, you know, honey, you know, your food, you you really your cooking really isn't that good. You know, and, and your cooking actually represents your lack of interest in this relationship. In fact, the, the because you're not a better cook, I can't believe that you even take this relationship seriously. You can destroy anything by exaggerating imperfection, by lacking context, by lacking proportionality to destroy any relationship, destroy any business arrangement, anything. So this is and this is central, by the way, to the whole Marxist ethos which is to look at inequality in human existence and pretend that it is the result of nothing but systemic, uh, systemic forces of oppression. Not luck, not life is unfair, but we do the best we can and we have laws that are supposed to treat people and seek to treat people equally. And we are not all equal in in gifts, talents, abilities, work ethic. We're not. And so there's not going to be equal outcomes. But instead of that perspective, you see, what the left provides is the exaggeration of a deficiency and really a maniacal fixation on deficiency to create the crack in the dam to bring the whole thing down. That's what they're doing. This is how Marxists use class warfare and envy in, a, in the more traditional context of Marxism. And it's how right now you're seeing racial division used to try to bring society down. It is so reckless. It is so disgraceful. But it is a central theme of Democrats because, unfortunately, it works. It's a powerful tool. We all have envy. We all have insecurities, resentments, everyone. But do we control it? Do we have perspective on it? Are we honest about our own roles in what frustrates us in life? Or do we blame the system? Do we blame the other for all the ways in which our lives are not quite what we think we want them to be? And as you know, oftentimes when you get things in life that you think you really want, you find out, you know, I just wish I'd spent more time with my kids or my grandkids or my brothers, or my sisters, or whomever, my best friends. I wish I had focused more on that. You know, so much of, I think, what drives 
the leftist mindset as well, is an obsession with the superficial. Yes, of course, in the context of the racial Marxism that we see, they're obsessed with skin color. Leftists are obsessed with it. But also with this idea that if only material circumstances changed a little bit for people. You know, if, 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 if people, if, if student loan debt was erased, let's say, you know, this is a big push by AOC. Oh, it would be life-changing for these people. And I'm not saying there aren't things you can do that really help people and that, you know, being out of debt isn't a good thing. And But if you're really looking at the macro perspective, if you're looking at what matters in life, I think the left just has the wrong focus. I think the left has replaced God and a sense of the everlasting and our purpose on this earth with a devotion to the state and state authority and state power. And this has played out in, in other societies. This is not some crazy dream I've come up with. This is what you have in, uh, in the Soviet Union before it collapsed, and to some degree still in Russia today. This is what you have in China today. The obsession with power and the elevation of material and superficial things over what is really our purpose. In what way do we matter in our day to day? What does how does the left answer those questions? What, by making sure that the state pays for gender affirmation surgery? That's really how we know that we've become a country with with actual worth. That's how we know we've become a country where people have meaning in their day to day lives. Really? Just pick an issue. Oh, where a woman has a right to terminate her pregnancy at any point over the course of nine months of a pregnancy. Any point for any reason. That's that's how we affirm that's how we realize that we have purpose as human beings. Now, I think the left, unfortunately, isn't just a corruption of politics. It's, it's a corruption of the soul. And you see this with much of the, the rhetoric and the approach of the BLM movement. They are maligning law enforcement. They are maligning those who are making sacrifices day in and day out, who are taking risks, who are carrying a burden for the rest of society, and they do so to pander. They do so to fan the, the flames of resentment, to divide society. You know, what, what is the left's answer? In what way do they want to build? Take more money from people, spend more money. But how do they build us as human beings, as a nation, as Americans? Division, always division, always anger. And it's just frustrating to see this as a person who wishes the best for this country. I mean, here, here's a perfect example of what I'm talking about. This was on ABC News uh, last night, a tweet from ABC News' official account. Former President Barack Obama, since George Floyd's death, quote, hundreds more Americans have died in encounters with police. Parents, sons, daughters, friends taken from us far too soon. End quote. Oh, he said, but the last year has also given us reasons to hope. Okay, so that's the full quote. Uh, all right. Are there hundreds of murders by police that have occurred that we don't know about? Why is the former president, you know, taking special time to mourn people who were killed by law enforcement when let's live in reality a vast majority of those people were killed in justified shootings, meaning they were trying to kill somebody or in the act of committing a violent felony 
often against a police officer, but sometimes against just innocent bystanders. Why is Barack Obama focusing on this? Because you have to dig into it a little bit. Otherwise, you just hear, yeah, cops killed hundreds of more uh, more people. They're terrible. Cops are so racist. Barack Obama, gross and reckless and misleading pandering, which is really an Obama specialty. If he thinks that police have committed hundreds of unpunished murders in the last year, he should say so instead of being an intellectual coward. That's part of why we want a uh, bipartisan bill uh, that is supported by uh, most Americans in this country. This country should be united behind uh, police reform. This is not anti-police. This is just pro-people, pro-policing. This is about constitutional policing in the United States of America and that African-Americans and other minorities uh, should not be fearful of interactions with the police and they should leave those interactions alive and able to go home to their families. And we think that that is a message that the entire country uh, can get behind. And if the entire country is behind it, like we think they are, then we can make sure we pass this on a bipartisan uh, basis and hurry up and get this done so that we can uh, move this country forward and protect human life. How about this as a message for the whole country? A message for all of us. Don't commit violent felonies. Don't resist arrest. And you have about as much reason to fear law enforcement statistically as you do being killed by a deer coming through your windshield while you're driving down the road. Not saying it never happens. But, you know, it's a few dozen people a year, maybe. Don't don't do those. Don't commit a violent felony. Okay, which is a fair ask, I think, of all of us. No violent felonies. Don't resist arrest. When the cops say you're under arrest, this would be good messaging. When the police say you're under arrest, everyone in schools across the country should be told, guys, when that happens, it's it's game over. Take it up in court. Hands behind your back. Be polite. Don't say a word. Get in the back of the car. Go to the police precinct. If someone does that. I don't care what color they are or anything else. If someone does that and a police officer then decides to manhandle them, hurt them, abuse them, I'm going to be at the front of the line saying that officer needs to lose his badge and go to prison. We can't have that crap. But let's let's set some real standards here, because here's here's the reality of law enforcement in America today. All right. And I saw it up close as somebody who is. You know, I was in the NYPD, but I was really a civilian counterterrorism expert. I was kind of almost like a, like an in-house academic slash former sp- or spy. I wasn't really a, you know, I wasn't a cop, but I was with cops all day and I was doing surveillance with them and out with them. And I saw law enforcement up close and personal. You know, it was like the equivalent of doing an 18 month ride along in many ways. Our cops are good people. Our cops are doing a good job. And there's the, the, the reality is that some federal bill is not going to change the aberrant events where you have a bad cop doing bad things. It's not going to make any difference. We have all the laws on the books, really, that we need when it comes to you know state and local law enforcement and the way that they're conducting themselves. I think our cops are good. I, you know, it's it's like if you're looking at a if you're looking at a professional sports league, do, do we need a massive transformation of the rule book 
Or is the league working out and the rules we have are good? It doesn't mean that there aren't sometimes people that need to be suspended or kicked out of the league. I think our cops are doing a good job. And in fact, they were doing a better job before BLM said they were doing a bad job. The violence needs to stop. It's unacceptable. People deserve to feel safe in their neighborhood. They deserve to be able to send their kids out to the sidewalk to play and to recreate without bullets flying by. That's unacceptable. We should be holding those perpetrators accountable. It's going to take a very comprehensive effort. Yes, it includes safety beyond policing, and it includes police. Uh, and, you know, I'm one that has been working lockstep with our chief, our Adondo, and I'm calling on the council members to try to work with them as well. It's just the reality of the situation. You know, when, when you make uh, big overarching statements that we're going to defund or abolish and dismantle uh, the police department and get rid of all the officers, there's an impact to that. There's an impact. Do we need massive change? Yes, we do. We need accountability and culture shift within our department and we need police. Walls don't work was the dumbest slogan the Democrats ever had. And then defund the police came along, took the number one spot. That was Minneapolis Mayor Jacob Fry, who is... Admitting, I mean, he's trying to soft pedal it a little bit. He's he's trying to, you know, downplay it. But admitting that, yeah, there's been a huge spike in crime in Minneapolis, and it's a disaster, and it is directly related to the defund the police narrative. Is this a surprise to anybody? D- does anyone find this information out and go, oh, my gosh, you mean... Getting rid of law enforcement resources and personnel and undermining police in their jobs and making it harder for them to do their jobs. You mean that results in bad people doing bad things even more so? But wait a second. I thought by constantly berating and and maligning law enforcement, we were going to make our streets safer. I thought we'd make them safer if we... Oh, no. Nobody really thought that. But there were all these other things brought into the conversation. All all these other ideas get mixed into this. And that's how you get to a place where defund the police is a mainstream chant. Because it's not about safety. It's about social justice. It's not about making sure that cops are accountable. It's creating a narrative of why there is crime in some communities that law enforcement seems unable to to lower, That why there are some parts of the country where there's violence going on. It has nothing to do with people making decisions in those communities. It is the cops' fault. And that's very comforting for people. That's That's something that... They, they want to hear. They'd rather believe that it's the cops than that it's the breakdown of families, fatherlessness, drug abuse, victimology narratives, any of these things. It's true all over the country. It's true in any high crime community. It is a preferable thing for a lot of the activists, leftists, and Democrats to hear that cops are the problem. This is a huge distraction. I mean, this, this, is a, this is a lie. But it's one that has gained mainstream traction all over the Democrat Party. And, and everyone should be really, really disgusted by this. Because this is not just something that, that happens that we can say, all right, you know, maybe the tax rate shouldn't have gone up. Maybe, maybe we slowed some economic growth a little bit with that tax increase. 
This is people getting shot and killed in greater numbers. This comes with real consequences for for people who are are relying on sound judgment, which is always a risky proposition, from the elites and the people in power. And what they get in return, what they get in response is just utterly incompetent nonsense. I mean, the defund the police movement is is an abomination. It really is. It's a horrible idea. And you've got the mayor of Minneapolis who's straight up saying, yeah, maybe we've gone a little too far with this. People should be embarrassed. They sh- there's, there's shame attached to this. They sh- there should be a real sense of, uh, you know, we should be indignant about it. It's so obvious. But we, went, we had to go through a year of this before, oh, it turns out if you, you know, get rid of cops and cut the budget, you know, things get worse. Of course they do. Some people know that this was the wrong move all along, and some states are taking action in the right direction. All the momentum is with places like Florida and Texas. Red states with Republican governors. That's where it feels like good decisions, at least for large states, good decisions are being made. Blue states are just hemorrhaging people. They're a mess. Texas Governor Greg Abbott's out there just saying, look, we're, we're going to take action against cities at the state level. We will take action against cities that defund police play five. Well, the, the reason it's stronger is because, as you pointed out, I'm about to sign a law uh, that will ensure that cities in the state of Texas uh, will not be able to defund police. First, the context, and that is that you pointed out what's going on in Minneapolis, where it is both a tragedy and a disaster, uh, what's going on for the residents of Minneapolis because of the defunding of police. And you've seen the same thing in Portland and Seattle and Chicago and New York, et cetera. Harris, unfortunately, we had the same thing happen here in the state of Texas, where the city of Austin defunded police, which is why you saw that uh, tragic situation uh, reported in Austin, Texas. And because Austin defunded police, we wanted to do two things in this session. One, we wanted to make sure that there were going to be consequences for the city of Austin. Uh, The second is we wanted to make sure that no other city in the state of Texas would defund police. So here's what we're doing in the state of Texas to to put teeth into this law that uh, provides real consequences for cities that do defund the police. One, we're going to dry up the revenue sources hmm. in a way that basically uh, will put the city out of business. Uh, what happens is a resident so should you're not be defund taxed. the city. We're, we're going to defund the city. Defund the city if they defund the police. This is a public safety measure. It's the kind of action that needs to be taken. This is what people should expect, uh, well, they should demand that this happens. I mean, I, I was in Austin some weeks ago, uh, it was maybe about a month ago now, and I met with a member of the, the only Republican member of the Austin City Council, and she walked me through, t- took me through City Hall in Austin and also talked to me all about the crime situation there and how things have gotten much worse and quality of life is going down, vagrancy is going up, assaults going up, all kinds of criminal offenses on the rise, they cut the police budget over $100 million. Why should the police budget in Austin be cut over $100 million? Because one cop killed George Floyd in Minneapolis. 
I mean, can, can you imagine for a second if we if the response after sometimes for there'll be someone in the military who in, over the course of fighting a war, they'll kill a civilian in a way that under UCMJ is is a murder. I mean, that will happen. Would anyone say, oh, well, there's one guy who snapped and and killed a civilian in while in uniform in the military. So let's defund the military. No, that that would be crazy. But it's very much what goes on here with the defund the police movement. So I'm happy to see Governor Abbott, Governor DeSantis, people that are in charge of of large states, making sure that that they're doing everything they can to just stamp out this nonsense. Just get rid of this craziness. It's just not I mean, to say it's not helpful is a, is a real understatement. It's not sane. It's not reasonable. This was never a good idea. And we've already seen what it results. We, we've, we've done the experiment. We shouldn't have had to, but we've done the experiment. We've seen the results. And they show us that defund the police, as I've said, is, is perhaps the dumbest Democrat slogan in living memory. And the, the, it's got a lot of competition.